Father, I just thank you again so much for the opportunity we have to gather. Lord, we want to hear from you tonight. We would love to be able to leave here different people, not because of a story or of a message, but because your word was taught in a way, Father, that um, changed us from the inside out. Your word is precious. And we ask, Lord, that uh, it would do its work in each one of us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in the book of 2 Timothy. No surprise to any of you. But Paul is about to die. He is handing off the baton to Timothy. And Timothy is in a battle. Timothy is in a spot in his life where he is struggling. And so what Paul does, in spite of his situation, in spite of being in a dark, dismal dungeon... He gives Timothy a heavy dose of truth. He says, Timothy, use your gift. He says, Timothy, I want to remind you about the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to experience power and joy. Timothy, I want you to be faithful and courageous. I know there's times in life, there's times in ministry, there's times when you need to stay the course. Timothy, I want you to accept suffering. You know that following Jesus with all of your heart means suffering. I want you to suffer, I want you to encourage others in spite of your suffering. I want you to keep on being strong, especially Timothy, in the gospel of God's grace. I I know that you kind of grew up in a pretty good household. And those people that grew up in households like that kind of forget What God's grace is all about. He says, I understand God's grace. I'm the chief of sinners. And I just keep talking about it all the time. I want you to do the same thing, Timothy. And he said, I want you to pass on what you've learned. I want you to stay holy and clean. I want you to be a vessel that can be used by God in any scenario. I want you to be a clean plate, as we talked about. And I want to warn you that difficult days are really coming. That harder days are coming. He said, Timothy, you know the scriptures. And this is kind of where we're going. And and this is where we started off as we almost jumped into this book. You know the scriptures. You understand the scriptures. Remain faithful to the scriptures. I'm so glad you remembered the tablecloths. Because someone is here waiting for those tablecloths. All right, we're good now, Joyce. Everyone can breathe better. All right. And then yesterday, or I'm sorry, two weeks ago, the last time we met, two weeks ago, um, we started off in 2 Timothy chapter 3, Verses 16 and 17. So I'd like you to turn there again. We're going to go back to those two verses. And then we're going to continue to talk about God's Word in some various other other places. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. This is the Apostle Paul writing. 
And he says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses all scriptures to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Paul starts again going back to one of his mantras. He talks about God's grace all the time, but he also talks about the scriptures. And he had a great love of the scriptures. Remember, if he was a Pharisee, he had already memorized large portions of this. So he understood what the scriptures were. But once he met Jesus, something seemed to ignite in his soul. And the scriptures became something so very, very important. And he basically says, every scripture that we have is inspired by the Almighty God. It is God-breathed. And it is given to us to help us, to teach us, to correct us. And it's used to be able to prepare every one of us to do whatever God has given us to do. Now, we would all again say that God's Word is a priority. No doubt about that. All right? We would all say that it's very, very important. And yet, so many of us struggle within our church, within the Christian community, to make God's Word a priority. We will, well, get certain apps, or we'll try to figure out what truth we need to learn today. But God's Word oftentimes gets put aside as our lives get a little bit more busy. So I've decided, as we dug in or began to to dig in last week, over this last summer, um, the priority of God's Word has just jumped out at me. And I thought I would just spend some time just looking at some of the texts that I have read that seem to shout or seem to be the megaphone that says, oh, this, this is a precious thing. This is, this is not just something you know, we carry around on a Sunday. It is an unbelievable love letter to each one of us that God wants us to understand. So we're going to jump right in. We ended up with Psalm 119. And again, I just encouraged you That is one of the Psalms, if I ever get lackadaisical, if I ever get um, to a place in my life where, you know, God's Word doesn't seem to be as important, you almost have to pick up Psalm 119 and just start reading. If you don't do that, um, you know, Gina, can you get those sheets of paper for those guys? It's right right in the doorway. They're going to need it. If we, yeah, thank you. Um, but we're going to start, you know, we last week went through Psalm 119. We're going to start the Proverbs. So if you would turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. And we're going to start reading that verse 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose, these Proverbs, are to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise, 
Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These Proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. By exploring the meaning of these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles, fear the Lord, or the fear of the Lord, is the foundation of true knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. We start off here, and most of you know that um, this basically is a book of poetry, which in some ways, um, context is not as important as it is in many other parts of the scripture. But we know that Solomon, who was the wisest of all, now, again, some of you struggle when you read uh, uh, Proverbs because we all know that Solomon didn't end well. All right, Solomon was a man that had everything given to him. Even all of the wisdom and the riches and the possessions. There was nothing that he denied himself. There's not one person in this room, and probably very few people on this planet, that can say, whatever I want, I can get. Okay. That was Solomon. And so he had everything available to him. And one of the things that God gave him was wisdom. And so he wrote down God's perspective on life here in the Proverbs. But he starts off in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of true knowledge. And somehow, when we look at God's Word, we don't always have the tendency to fear God or to respect God. One of the things you're going to find out as we go through some of our texts here today is that as you fear God, as you respect God, as you understand the king is literally talking, that the king is, is speaking out words of love and concern and principle, that you would never take it lightly if it was a human king. But somehow God the king, we put in a different category for some reason. And we don't need to do that. But let's, let's continue and look. In chapter 2 of Proverbs, we're going to start in the first verse. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Now again, if you look at this like some dude, this old guy is just kind of spitting off words of wisdom. And you say, hey, really listen to me, it's important. What you have to understand is most of the time when wisdom is used in the book of Solomon, we're talking about literally God's word. We are talking about the principles that God has given Solomon to be able to write down. So what he's saying is he's saying, my child, listen to what I say. God gave me these principles. Treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom, to this God-given perspective. And concentrate on understanding. Verse 4. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Then you will understand what it means to fear God. You know, if the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom, and we understand who God is from the Scriptures, and we learn to fear God from the Scriptures, it just begs us to be able to take this book and to be able to learn it and study it and understand it. 
in verse 9. If you are reading his principles, understanding what he's saying, then you'll understand what is right and just and fair. And you'll find the right way to go. Verse 12. Wisdom will save you from evil people, from those words, um, from those whose words are twisted. Chapter 3. My child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Honestly, if you took a 14-year-old today, and some of you have influence over 14-year-olds, but 14-year-olds who are freshmen in high school for the most part, uh, and you sat down and said, Hey, look, I can tell you something. I will share with you something that if you listen to these words, you will live many years and your life will always be satisfying. Now, if they trusted you and, and you could then share with them, say, here's the book of Proverbs. In fact, here's all of the scriptures. In fact, if, if you take the scriptures and you start listening to them and applying them, your life will be satisfying. Well, they're going to hear that from you, and that is going to be very true. But the truth is the rest of our culture is shouting everything else. The rest of our culture is, is letting you know every advertisement on TV, every place where you go, it's saying, hey, you're going to be satisfied by this drink called Pepsi. Wow, that is awesome. I can live life to the fullest by having a Pepsi or by having Miller Lite or by having a certain pizza or by driving a certain car or by having a certain babe or by making a certain amount of money or by wearing a certain pair of jeans. Do you know that jeans can bring life? Did you know that? You know, and you can go right down the line. And that's what our world is shouting everywhere. But what God is saying is saying that I, I'm creator. In fact, guys, I created you. Rick, I created you. I know what's best for you. Do you know that, Rick? You know I care about you. I love you. I not only sent my son to die for you so that you might have a relationship with me, but I sent him to do that in order for you to well, understand what life is about. To listen to me. To thrive. And then you're going to, for all of eternity, Rick, enjoy my presence. You're going to know me so well that I want you to listen to me. Well, verse 5 of chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do and He will show you what path to take. Look at um, verses 13 and we're going to read down a little bit. But listen to how Solomon describes a person who listens to God. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom or who looks into this book reads this book, understands this book. The one who gains understanding. For wisdom, the scripture, is more profitable than silver. And her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. She, or wisdom, or the scriptures, 
offers you a long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left. She will guide you down delightful paths. All of her ways are satisfying. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. Then jump down to verse 21. My child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment or wisdom or the scriptures. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They will be like jewels on a necklace. They will keep you safe on your way, and your feet will not stumble. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. You will not need not to be afraid of sudden disaster. Or destruction that comes to the wicked. For the Lord is your security. He will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. Now again, just look at what the promises are. Almost everything there, the world promises us. But they don't ever come through. The scripture has promised to guide and direct, to fulfill to encourage, to give you strength, to give you wisdom. Why wouldn't we spend time in God's Word? Because we are listening to lies. It's more important for us to watch this certain show. Or it's more important for us to make sure we make a little more money. Or it's more important for us to make sure we develop that relationship. Or it's more, And you can put in this room, it's probably all good things. You know, none of you are mafia leaders. <laughs> Jim, I'm, I'm not sure about you, but the rest of you. I'll get yeah. with you later. Okay, buddy, I, I do that. But, but all the rest, you, you know, I, I mean, you're all good people. You're doing nice things. And I think, again, one of the enemy's tricks is keep being a nice person and doing nice things. If it takes the place of God's Word, we are going to be missing out. We'll continue. Look at Proverbs chapter 4. And, and I know, again, these are, these are just texts that I was reading over the last three months. And I just got so excited. Again, I was so encouraged. But chapter 4, starting in verse 4. My father taught me. Remember, his, his father's David. Okay. That's kind of a great dad to have, huh? Take my words to heart. Follow my commandments and you will live. Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom or my words, for she will again protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom, having the scriptures, is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you develop, and whatever else you do, develop good judgment. That's by spending time with God. You know, I'd be remiss if we didn't look at the book of Deuteronomy. Um, so let's jump over to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, again, I, I think so many of you know, it's just fast become one of my favorite texts. It's Moses' last sermon. It's his last words. It's him pouring his heart out to the children of Israel right before they go into the promised land. He's given them all the wisdom that he has learned. Remember, there's been never a man on the planet like Moses. He was called the friend of God. I think Moses had more intimate time with God than perhaps anybody else. I, I don't understand all that God taught him, but what he's doing is saying, Hey guys, 
I've got a few weeks. I've got a few months. I've got, I don't know what I have here. I know I'm not going over to the promised land with you guys. So what I'm going to do is give you some words. Words, if you can understand how important this is for you to live life. Let's start in chapter 6, verse 4. Listen, O Israel. And by the way, most of you know this is called the Shema. The Shema for any Orthodox Jewish family, they would say this prayer when they woke up and before they went to bed every single day in their life. All right. They knew this by heart without a doubt. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all your soul and all of your strength. And you must, listen to this, commit yourself. Remember, you must commit yourself. That means literally you are taking an action. All right? You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly with everything that you have to these commands that I'm giving you today. It's all about your commitment to listen and obey because sometimes that's hard. But he says, hey, I I want you to do that. And look at verse 7. Repeat them, these principles, these commands, this life-giving words, again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as a reminder. Write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gate. Everywhere you go, Moses said, I want you to be talking about God's Word. It's amazing. You know, I meet with a couple guys um, who were reminded how important this was in their own family's life. They had an opportunity to do a father-son weekend. Their boys, I think, are in fifth grade, if I recall. But they called it a man weekend. They called it whatever you want, enter um, manhood. I I think they just wore loincloths. I I wasn't exact. No, no, they didn't. I'm just kidding. Those are bad images. I know, I know. But what they did is everything they did all weekend was use it to relate to principles of Scripture. I met with them on the Monday morning they got back, and all three of these guys, they were so excited. They said, Rick, everything we did, we were able to relate to Scripture. I mean, we did dishes and we talked about God. We, you know, um, whatever, went canoeing and talked about God. They, They just kept talking about God the whole weekend. And all I said was this, well, what what do you think um, that means? And they said, well, realistically, um, we just have to remember to do some of this in life. It's not that it was so hard. We didn't prepare every little thing. We just kept asking, what's God teaching me? Uh, Some of you have sent your kids to Spring Hill, and you guys know I am a huge Spring Hill fan. Uh, Because I just think there's some quality people that come and meet with some of our kids. They love our kids, and especially our neighborhood kids. They hand them back to us and and let us help them grow in their relationship with God. But the truth is this. Right after Spring Hill, my wife and Becca were jumping on the trampoline. Uh, My wife still does that, jump on the trampoline with Becca. And after just... And in just a few minutes, they do this rest time. Not so much for Becca, okay? But they sit down. And Becca looked right at Shannon and says, well, 
what, what can we learn about God from our jumping, Grandpa? Uh-huh. I mean, Grandma. Grandma. And Sharon just said, wow. I mean, that's what they were doing at Spring Hill. Every activity, they were just kind of talking about what they were learning. And now all of a sudden, this girl, the little third grader, is talking to my beautiful wife saying, hey, are we going to talk about God on this deal? Now again, it would have been the same thing for me. This is not anything against Sharon. But it's just something that all of a sudden, that's what Moses said. I want you to be talking about my principles all the time. This is critical. You want your kids, well, to think about who God is? You want your grandkids? You want people around? You're going to be bringing up God principles. This doesn't mean preaching and, and being hypocritical and, uh, you know, using the bony finger, you know. What this means is, hey, let's talk about what God is, is teaching us. Over and over and over. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. I'm telling you, read this, and you would think Moses had one theme. I'm just warning you. Hey, make sure you listen to God. That's what I'm going to say. So the man who was the friend of God said this. Verse 8, chapter 1. Be careful to obey all the commands I'm giving you today. Then you will live and multiply. You will enter and occupy the land the Lord God will give your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness in these last 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey His commands. Whoa. Yes, He humbled you, Moses said by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did this to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is more important than eating bread. Whoa, that's a hard one for me. I like food, you know. But God just, you know, really, God's Word. God's Word is more important than bread. Okay, go to chapter 10, verse 12 and 13. All right? And now, Israel, what does God, (laughs) the Lord your God, require of you? Well, he's going to just say it really clear. He requires only that you fear the Lord your God, that you live in a way that pleases Him, and love Him and serve Him with all of your heart. Verse 13, And you must always obey. If you mark your Bible, mark these. You must always obey the Lord's commands and the decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. I am not giving you these laws to burden you. I'm not giving you these laws so that you, you know... Don't get to enjoy life. I'm giving you these principles so you do enjoy life. Oh, my word. Look at verse, uh, chapter 11. I, I might just end up reading most of chapter 11, but that's okay. We'll go uh, verse 1 through verse 8. Chapter 11. You must love the Lord your God, obey all of His requirements, decrees, regulations, and commands. You know, we're only about one-third into the book. Now, this is a message. If most of you were here at Moses' message, you would probably walk out by this time saying, I get it. You're saying, love God with all your heart and make sure you listen to His commands. I am not dense. 
I'm getting this. Okay, Moses did not think so. You must love the Lord your God, obey, verse 1, all of his requirements, decrees, regulations, and commands. Keep in mind that I'm not talking now, um, keep in mind that I am not talking now to your children who have never experienced the discipline of the Lord your God or seen his greatness or his strong hand or his powerful arm. They didn't see the miraculous signs and the wonders he performed in Egypt against Pharaoh and all of his land. They didn't see what God did to the armies of Egypt, to their horses and chariots, how he drowned them in the Red Sea as they were chasing you. He destroyed them and they have not recovered to this very day. Your children didn't see how the Lord cared for you in the wilderness until you arrived here. They didn't see what he did to Dathan and Abram, the sons of Eliab, and the descendant of Reuben, when the earth opened his mouth in the Israelite camp and swallowed them, along with their households and tents and every living thing that belonged to them. But you have seen the Lord perform all these mighty deeds with your own eyes. Therefore, because you saw all this, because God was so very real, because God is so powerful, because God is worthy to be feared. All right, he's telling some pretty amazing things. All right, you're standing there, then all of a sudden you see a whole bunch of people get eaten up by the ground because they didn't listen to God. Oh boy, what's your lesson? I, th I, th I, th I think I'm going to listen to you, God. You, you really are really a real God. <laughs> and, and you expect me to listen. I am going to listen. Now, granted, some of us are slow and the Israelites were slow. But look at verse 8. Therefore, therefore, because all this stuff, be careful to obey every command I'm giving you today. So you may have strength to go in and take over the land you're about to enter. You know what? I don't know what land you have. I don't know what God's asked you to do. I don't know what God's plans are for you. But I know this, that if I am careful to obey everything that God has given me, He will give me the strength to accomplish all that God has asked me to do. Even if there's giants living in the land, even if there's walled cities, it just doesn't matter. God says, listen to me. Just listen to me. Obey me. Get to know my words. Get to know who I am. You will fear me. My fear isn't to be something. You know, it's this great, unbelievable respect. It's the king talking. The creator God. Okay, we're going to keep going. Look at verse 13. If you carefully obey all the commands I'm giving you today, and if you love the Lord your God and serve Him with all of your heart, then I will take care of you. You know, almost every time Moses does not leave out, I want you to obey the commands. Every time it's, I want you to obey every, all, not just some of them. You know, all of us in this room the ones standing behind this round table, the people in this church today, we are really good at obeying some of the commands. And we really let people sometimes know all those commands that we really are good at obeying. But Moses is trying to say something very different here. He's saying when you open up God's word, all the principles here are worthy to be listened to. 
You and I are not smarter than God. He wants us to listen to all of them. Verses 18, we're in chapter 11 still. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them on your hands and, oh, this sounds like the same thing in Deuteronomy 6. It is. He goes, I want you to commit yourself. I want you to get up every day and I want you to say, you know what, one of the most important things I can do, oh, maybe the most important thing is, I'm going to listen to what you say to to me today, God. That's what I'm going to do. That's called commitment. You all know commitment is to a spouse. It means, well, you don't drift. It means you are a one-woman man or a one-man woman. You are committed no matter what happens. God's saying, I want you to be committed to my word. Commitment. It is something there. Look at verse 26. Look today, I'm giving you a choice between a blessing and a curse. Now again, if we stop there, how many people want to be blessed? Okay, raise your hand. How many people want to be cursed? Don't, Don't raise your hand. That is really dumb. Why would you? I want to be cursed. <laughs> no. Look, you will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. Look at verse 32. When you take the land and are living in it, you must be careful to obey all the decrees and the regulations that I'm giving you today. Man, Moses, are you an idiot? Like, what is your problem? Why not talk about some other things? <laughs> because this is the thing. Look at chapter 13, verse 4. Serve only the Lord your God. Fear Him alone. Oh my word. Look at this next part. Obey His commands. Listen to His voice. Cling to Him. That verse, again, it is worthy to be calligraphied in our households. It is. Put it around. I love it. Obey his commands. Listen to his voice. Same way. It's it's a person. And cling. 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 Hang on to him. He alone is worthy. Now this is really interesting. Look at chapter 17. Now remember, um, God in God's plan, if you want to look at the big picture, God's plan is that he was going to be king overall. He's going to be king of Israel. He's king in our life. He is king. But he also knows that our people culturally, all right, are going to want and have pressure that sometimes is beyond us. So he knew that eventually Israel is going to want a king, that he would not suffice. So what he did is that he gave Moses the insight of what a king should do. This is really cool, I think. Look at verse 18 of chapter 17. All right. The king, when you finally get a king, and he's not again saying you, you should get a king, but he's saying when, I, when you finally rebel against me so much and you want this earthly king, all right, this is what this king should do. The, the most powerful man in all the land. All right. When he sits on the throne as king, 
He must copy for himself this body of instruction, the book of Deuteronomy, on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priest. That's because the priests are going to look over and make sure that everything is absolutely perfect while he's writing it. Hey, this is also a learning principle. Okay? When you write it down yourself, you have a tendency to learn more about that. So God's given something. Hey, when this big highfalutin king gets on his throne, what I want, very first thing, have him write the book of Deuteronomy right out. Okay? Isn't this cool? I don't know if you ever noticed this. All right. Verse 19. He must always keep that copy with him on his iPhone. All right? And read it daily as long as he lives. That way he will learn to fear God by obeying all, all, all. Folks, it goes on like that. You want to learn to fear God. You want to know what God, you want a light for your path. You want a direction for, you got to get into God's word. This is so exciting. Look at chapter 30. We, we can go just a little faster now, okay? Because it almost feels like he's stuttering a little bit, but that's all right. Chapter 30, starting at verse 1. He goes through, in the future, when you experience all these beautiful things, wonderful vineyards, nice houses, walled cities, because you're going to walk in and take them all. Don't forget God. Look at verse 10. The Lord your God will delight in you if you obey His voice, keep His commandments and decrees written in this book of instruction. He is not, he is not letting this go. He is absolutely relentless. Look at verse 15 of chapter 30. Now listen. Hey, by the way, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep His commands. Look at verse 20 of this chapter. You can make a choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. Anybody? What's the key to my life? Well, apparently, if the Scripture is right, it's by loving God and obeying Him. That's what I'm going to do. What's my goal in life? I, I suppose... Uh, I'll make it real simple. I'll love God and listen to Him. Two L's. What do, you, what do you do when you get up tomorrow morning? You love God and listen to Him. What do you do tonight? You love God and listen to Him. All of them. Everything He says. It's amazing. Alright? If you go to chapter 31, verses 9 through 13. At the very end, Moses wrote this entire book of instruction and gave it to the priests. And basically he said, I want you to make sure that this book is well known. Chapter 32, verse 2. Let my teaching fall on you like rain. Let my speech settle like dew. Let my words fall like rain on tender grass, like gentle showers on young plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord, how glorious is our God. And lastly, verses 45 through 47, the last words of his last words. Take to heart all the words of warning I've given you today. Pass them on as a command to your children so they will obey every word. Look at that. 
These instructions are not empty words. They are your life. By obeying them, you will enjoy a long life in the land that you will occupy. Then he handed the reins over, the baton over to Joshua. Look at Joshua chapter 1. It's just a few pages to your right. Verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Remember, Moses, perhaps the greatest leader in all of Israel, he was the only one considered the friend of God. You've got to take over for this dude. It's a little scary. All right? And so Joshua, although he's been with him, he saw him, he understood him, he listened to him. He was one of the two spies that obeyed and, and said, God, you, I'm going to listen to you. His faith was strong 40 years ago. He's going to take over now. And this is what God tells him. Be strong and courageous. You're the one who's going to lead these people. Verse 6. Um, verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Oh boy. Did he get this from Moses? Look at this. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them. Okay? Turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful. Hey, I want you to do verse 8. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it. Again, you know, you're going to meditate many different ways, but it's chewing your cud. This is it. It's ruminate. It's allowing God's Word to come into your life. You know, if you're a cow, you put it down in stomach number one. Then you spit it up. You chew it. Get a little more nourishment. Put it in stomach two. Put it in, I don't know how many stomachs. Whatever the stomach is. But the idea is, hey man, I'm going to get every nutrient out of this that I can. I'm just going to look at it. One of the favorite things I get to do is teach about some of the most familiar passages. And as you study some of the most familiar passages in the Scripture, God always opens your eyes to something even more. I can go to Psalm 23 right now. You have it memorized. You've thought about it a million times. God will teach me something from Psalm 23. He just will. That's how God is. As you meditate, as you learn about that. Uh, I used quite a few different verses. As we got some quite a few hurting people in our, in our community. And verses came to mind, and verses I was able to quote, and verses I've been able to pray over people. I, I prayed with a lady who's in hospice right now, uh, gasping, really. It was kind of odd. I, I was on speakerphone, and, and I just gave her scripture and gave her hope and just talked to her. I didn't tell her, you know, I didn't ask her about her bank account. I didn't ask what kind of clothes. I didn't ask her about the car she's driving. <laughs> I didn't ask any of that. I mean, this lady's going to be floating into eternity. I don't know. Right now, maybe. I have no clue. But I know one thing. It's God's Word that is comforting, encouraging, and strengthening, empowering. It's not Rick's words. I don't know what to say when someone's dying. I'll let you know. You know, so if you're dying, don't call me. Um, I'll send Bill. Yeah. Yes. He always knows what to say. Okay? But... It's God's Word. All you're going to do is hear God's Word from me. You know? Because that's what's going to comfort. Alright? That's what's going to grace people. You know, this is kind of fun. I'd like you to turn to Second Chronicles. It's a little bit later. I, I have two examples. Um, in our guys' group, we read through the Scriptures, one of my guys' groups, and most of the time when we get to Chronicles or, or some of the Old Testament passages, these guys skip it. 
And, and sometimes I understand it, but what they don't understand is that there's some really wonderful, powerful things in the Older Testament. It just seems a little bit irre- uh, irrelevant, not relevant, not relevant to us at times, okay? But it is, it is. There's this guy, I want, I want to just look at two places. In Second Chronicles chapter 17, now don't go to First Chronicles because it's about David and it's not the right thing. And I'm looking today, reading through my notes, I'm going, what does this have to do with God's Word? And it was because I was in First Chronicles. Just letting you know, it doesn't work. Second Chronicles 17. Uh, Jehoshaphat was one of the good kings. And, and mostly, and I'm not going to go through a lot of history... But honestly, there's only three kings in all of Israel's history that God would consider amazing, good, wonderful kings that, that followed David's example. All right. And um, the reason was is that most of the kings did not listen to God. I mean, that was, they, they did their own thing. They had all the power and they just thought they were smarter than God. But Jehoshaphat came along, he was a good king, in verse 3 of chapter 17. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the example of his father's early years. He did not worship the images of Baal. He sought his father's God, it's kind of interesting, and obeyed his commands instead of following the evil practices of the kingdom of Israel. Verse 6, he was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord. Now all of a sudden, the big difference of this guy than all the other kings is that he was committed to listen to who God was. Verse 9, they took copies of the book of the law, which again was probably Deuteronomy, and traveled around all the towns of Judah, teaching the people. And look what the result was. Verse 10. Then the fear of God fell over all the surrounding kingdoms. Amazing what happens is that this king did something different than all the other kings. And God was pleased. He was committed to listening to God's ways. In chapter 18, something very interesting happens. And and I just want to go over it very quickly. No, I won't. Read chapter 18. It's kind of fun. I want to, I want to get into uh, chapter 34. Chapter 34. Second Chronicles 34. This is so cool. Josiah begins reigning in Israel when he's eight years old. His father and his grandfather were two of the most corrupt kings that ever reigned in Israel. So his mom and his grandmother were the ones that were highly influential in his life. Okay? But let me read some things to you. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight and followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what was right. During the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, now he's 16, okay, 16-year-old. I'm not sure what happened in the first, it's not documented what's gone on in the first eight years, okay. But when he's 16, 
while he was still young, Josiah began to seek the Lord or, or the God of his ancestor, David. I think he followed the example. I think he was told what to do. I mean, how many eight-year-olds can lead a nation, you know, anyway, and so on. About 16, he finally, I think what, what God is saying, I, I'm choosing to follow God myself now. I'm thinking I'm going to follow you, God, because I think that's the right thing to do. Then in the 12th year, he's 20 now, all right, think of 20-year-olds in your life, all right, uh, he began to purify Judah in Jerusalem, destroying all the pagan shrines, all this. He began burning things down, and so on. So, again, he knew this was right, and, and this story's going somewhere. But, you know, I, these are evil, I'm getting rid of them, and, and let's do that. Now he's 26 years old, down in verse 8. In the 18th year of his reign, after he purified the land, he destroyed everything. Um, and he purified the temple. All right, He began doing repairs. He started to be able to restore all the things in, in, uh, that were important, especially in the temple. All right, And um, verse 14. While they were bringing out the money collected at the Lord's temple, Hilkiah the priest, he was the high priest at that time, found the book of the law of the Lord that was written by Moses. Hilkiah said to Shephan, the court secretary, he'd be like the secretary of state, okay, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Then Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shephan. Shephan took the scroll to the king and reported, Your officials are doing everything they were assigned to do. The money was collected at the temple of, of the Lord and has been turned over to the supervisors and workmen. Shephan also told the king, Helkiah, the priest, has given me a scroll. So Shephan read it to the king. Now, I want you to know, and, and I don't have time to go into a lot of history, but there's been about 400 years here where the book of Deuteronomy or the law was not being read. That is a long time. So they're cleaning up the temple. They're refining everything. God's word has not been part of their lives. The high priest finds Deuteronomy. He casually hands it over to the secretary of state. The Secretary of State brings it to King Josiah, who's 26 years old, and says, King, this is probably a pretty important book. He reads it to Josiah. Look what 19. When the king heard what was written in the law, he tore his clothes in despair. When he heard God's word, Look at verse uh, 21. For the Lord's great anger had been poured out on us because of our ancestors have not obeyed the word of the law. We have not been doing everything this scroll says we must do. Verse 29. Then the king summoned all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem and the king went up to the temple with all the people of Judah and Jerusalem along with the priests and the Levites. 
all the people from the greatest to the least. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar and renewed the covenant of God's presence. What is so amazing is that he did a lot of good things before he was 26. But when he heard what God's word was, he wept, he rent his clothes, and he began to read to all the people what they were missing. They began to follow instructions. They did a Passover. You can continue to read. Which again is not that big of a deal to most of us. But what I'm saying is the whole kingdom changed as a result of a king listening to God and making this a priority. You know Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 the scripture says that it never returns void. That the scripture is always effective. If you don't know what to say to people if you're confused on, on what great words of wisdom you should share, make sure that you share God's Word. In Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 23, Jesus is going all over the countryside. This is the beginning of His ministry. And what He says He is there to do is He begins teaching and healing. In chapter 24, Jesus literally says that my words are going to be around forever. And in a passage that's so familiar with every one of you called the Great Commission, uh, we oftentimes understand, go into all the world and preach the Gospel. And make sure again that, that the Gospel is well known. We are going to hear some of that this weekend in our Global Outreach Weekend. But what's really important, said, so you know how you really make disciples, if you look at that text, is by teaching them to obey my word. Do you realize that really obeying God's word is just not a natural thing, just like obeying parents is not a natural thing, you know? No three-year-old I know comes up to you and says, Wow, Mom and Dad, I love you so much. Tell me what I need to do because I just want to listen to you. Mm-hmm. What would happen if that happened? You'd probably die, you know. And that doesn't change when they're five, and that doesn't change when they're eight, and that doesn't change when they're 18, okay? It's draw a line in the sand, how close can I come, and, well, I went over it this time, you know. Will you forgive me? But God says this. He says, what happens? Part of disciple-making is helping people obey the words that you learn. I share with you again, one of the main things that I do in my guys' groups is we ask the question, what is it that you've read that God is talking about last week that you're not obeying? It's a simple question. And people will come up, well, I'm not really obeying this. Okay, what, what does that mean? What do we have to do? My guys' groups are not that complicated. We read the scriptures we ask God what He's teaching us, and we ask if we're obeying. And I think it's critical for us as we continue our life. In chapter Luke, <laughs> chapter Luke, in the, in Luke, go there. This this is just interesting. This is a story that um, you guys all know. But in Luke 16, 
There's the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Okay. And you guys all know what what happens here, but they both die. They both go into Abraham's bosom, wherever the heck that is. Okay. Uh, perhaps it's heaven or something. I can't even imagine what a Abraham's bosom really is, you know. But somehow they can see paradise. I mean, they're experiencing paradise or they're experiencing um, hell or separation from God or fire. And really, the the wealthy one, you know, um, Lazarus, can, can you just dip just a little bit of water, you know, your finger in water and just touch my tongue? I'm, I'm, I'm burning up. And, well, Lazarus says, no, I really can't do that. I, I, I mean, the chasm's too big. And basically, he just asks this. He goes, well, I am in so much torment. I did not listen when I was down here on the planet. Can anybody go back from the dead and just tell them, you know, how terrible this hell is, this experience and the scriptures say this. It's just very, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen to someone who's risen from the dead. What he is saying is this. God's word is so powerful. We may not see it. To transform lives. Amazingly powerful. That even if someone is raised from the dead, walks around and giving insight, that person and the wisdom that they have is not going to be more powerful than God's Word. So like, if you're 90 minutes in heaven, or however many you've been in heaven, it's still not going to be more powerful than what God's Word really is. Okay? You know, in Luke chapter 19, verse 48, whenever Jesus would teach, one of the things that you find out is that they hang on every word of His. In John chapter 8, starting at verse 31, Jesus basically says this, True children of God are those who faithfully obey my word. You want to know, are you a child of God? Do you obey his word? I mean, a fruit, an evidence of you being part of the kingdom is that you are going to be obedient. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, again, so many are familiar with it. But the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It, it is quick. It is able to discern. It's able to expose. It's able, again, to be able to help us understand what life is all about. And one of the favorite passages I have, and we'll end with this one, is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Just like a little baby craves milk. Crave the spiritual milk, which is the Word of God. Now, there isn't anyone who has ever seen a baby who is hungry that knows the only thing that will satisfy that baby is his mom or a bottle. I'm telling you, you can rock him. You can play with him. You can sing to him. You can do whatever you want to him. But that baby has one thing on his mind. My gut is craving. I'm hungry. Nothing else matters. Alright? And I look at that and I think Peter had it right. Just like a baby who is craving 
the milk. That's how I want you to be. Rick, I want you to cry out for my word. Because all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is important. All Scripture is given to us so that we might be able to understand what life is about. All my principles are important. Every, excuse me, every principle needs to be obeyed. God's Word will enlighten us. God's Word will convict us. God's Word will empower us. God's Word gives us hope. God's Word prepares us for our ministry. God's Word prepares us for parenting. God's Word prepares us for retirement. God's Word prepares us, well, for going to the grocery store. God's Word prepares us, enables us, strengthens us, encourages us. We're going to move on in 2 Timothy next week. But I think these last two weeks, just looking at how people responded to God's Word, how important God's Word is, to me, I know it's critical. I know it's a priority. And I know if I don't have it every single day. I'm the one who loses. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to just talk about your word. It is amazing. And we stand before you grateful that you have sent it to us, that you you allowed over 40 authors to be able to pen down your word. We've had it over Thousands of years, all with the same theme. You've protected it. You've handed it to us. And we have it. We have it everywhere. We have it on our phones. We have it on our iPads, on our computers. We have many versions on our shelves. God, would each one of us not only learn your word, but help others learn your word. We love you in your name. Amen.